You're listening to the Black Eagles podcast. Welcome back, everybody. This is episode 222 of the Black Eagles podcast, and I'm your host, Sinan Swording. That's right, clap it up. Live from New York City. And of course, there's a lot to talk about, isn't there? So, so much to talk about. Uh, for folks who are concerned about the late arrival, uh, I think you probably know what news it was that I was waiting for. If you don't, you will by the end of this episode. But I'm going to sort of stage everything out chronologically, right? We're going we're gonna to focus on some football first. Hashtag Caravelli season. Right? If you, if you all remember that one. Oh, poor guy. Just kidding. Um, we'll talk all about that stuff. I don't want to get ahead of myself. All right. First of all, news, right? There was, in fact, <laughs> some news, but not, that's not what I'm talking about. Not the big news item that folks are probably anticipating. First, uh, there was a talk on the Talishka front. Uh, Anderson Talishka, classic Besiktas player. Supposedly, we're like hunting, like negotiating for him. There's also talk of an Italian team coming in, but nothing concrete yet. So let's dive into the football itself. Operation is in effect as of right now. Yes. So we've got to talk about ties for. One last shebang. So we've got a match of sorts. An interesting match. A home match. We hosted Hatay Sport, a team that's good. Our head-to-head, you know, my app goes back, I don't know how long, not too long, but long enough that it's pretty odd. We only have three matches logged in against these guys. A win, a draw, and a loss. Coming into this one, that is. Um... Last season, a draw, two to two, then a win, seven to nil, which many folks will recall, especially conspiracy theorists. And then finally, this season, in the first half of this season, under Sergei Yeltsin, on October 30th, Hatay Sport with a W, their first against us in their history. A one to nil in Hatay, which sort of increasingly something, you know, something to fear. Stacking somewhat decent seasons atop each other at this point, I think we could say. They had been undefeated in their last three matches coming into this one. 
they uh, in their last one had beaten Fatih Karagumdruk at home three to nil. So they were coming in with some heat. Before that, they drawn Gaziantep in Gaziantep, which we know is no small thing. Before that, they beat Yeni Malachia five to two. So they're banging in goals. Prior to that, however, they had lost to Fener in Istanbul two to nil. After defeating Gostepe at home two to one. So those had been their previous five matches. So obviously the only real sour note for them would be the loss to Fener. And of course that puts a bit of pressure on us, right? If we want to keep up with our rivals, we got to match their results. So yeah, little pressure on the squad on Under Caravelli. Let's talk about the lineup. So on top of that pressure, some interesting stuff, we could say. Ersin Dastanolu out, suspended, so Emre Bilgin would get his debut. The 18-year-old keeper. A lot of pressure on his shoulders deep into a season. We're trying to claw our way back into contention for a spot in Europe, potentially. Undiar Caravelli's career in this kid's hands. <laughs> On the back line, we've got Neji Puisal and Domagos Vida. Wellington not starting. Still. So the Neji Vida back line is... Uh, now that's gun gun to Undere's head, obviously, right? That's who he's got back there. Ridvan Yilmaz on the back, on the left side. Valentin Rosier on the right side. In midfield, Joseph de Souza <coughs> alongside John Bozdoan, who'd sort of, again, stacked a few decent performances together. Up ahead of them would be Guven Yalcin, which is interesting, with Kyle Laren on the left side and Rashid Gizal on the right. And Mishi Batshuayi back in up top. Very interesting stuff, right? From from that perspective. Certainly the big news being a young keeper making his debut on a snowy day in Istanbul. Yeah, but some other subplots in there too, I suppose. For our opponents, Hatay. 32-year-old Moroccan keeper Munir would start behind Burak Oksuz, 26-year-old Turkish defender, and Isaac Saki, 27-year-old Ghanaian, or defender from Ghana. Kamil Jurekci, 30-year-old uh, Turk, on the right side with Sam Adekugbe, 27-year-old Canadian left back. Up ahead of them in the midfield, 23-year-old French midfielder Mehdi Bujima next to Onur Ergun, 29-year-old Turk. Up ahead of them, Ruben Ribeiro, 34-year-old Portuguese. Hit list entry! <laughs> um, he's actually cleaned up his act since then. I'm not revoking it because that's, I think it's an irrevocable thing, right? It's like getting like a finger chopped off. There's no, no coming back from that. The hit list strikes. Um, uh, on their wings, they had Ayub El Kabi, 28-year-old Moroccan, and Sasha, or sorry, Saba, 
Lobzanidze, 27-year-old Georgian Dynamo. And then, of course, Mame Iram Diouf, 34-year-old Senegalese striker up top. So, yeah, <clears throat> pretty formidable squad, right? Long gone are the days where Anatolian sides, you know, fielded rosters that we could sort of just scoff at. But so, yeah, and they're, they're, they're doing well. I didn't even mention, so going into the match, they had been, I think, in sixth place. Well, we had been in eighth. So, you know, pretty formidable, no doubt. But yeah, let's talk about this match, huh? I say we talk about this match, just because it's one last one to talk about, and we'll get to that in a moment. So yeah, let's dive in, talk about some highlights here. So first minute of action, again, one of these crazy starts. Rashid Ghazal sends in a nice ball, perfectly in for, it looks like perfectly in for Kyle Laren, who can't quite connect with it on the volley, sending it just wide, and of course, but it seems to happen every match, we have a great opportunity right in the very beginning, before anyone's really ready to process it, including, sadly, Bakshik Tasha's players. Uh, and that is a tradition now of sorts, at least for this season. In the fourth minute, minute, minuto, <laughs> minute, Valencia Jose sends in a cross, gets bumped back out in a poor clearance, dropping to Guven Yalchin, who doesn't quite connect with it well enough. Fairly easy save for Munir. The snow really starts to come down at this point. A uh, number of chances come Besiktas's way. Kyle Laren spurning some of the better ones. Sixteenth <laughs> um, minute, Rashid Ghazal in a sort of harmless pass to I think it was Ghazal to Mishi Bachua. Yeah, it was. Kind of, uh, I'd say like five yards behind the penalty box. Bachua with a nice kind of juke one way to his left, turns right. Sends in a long curling shot, woof, in to side netting goal. And side netting, meaning the inside of the net. Uh, yeah, just a lovely strike. And it's so confounding, you know, this, this Bachuai character can score a goal like that. You know, just a top drawer goal that you love to see, right? That's why we brought him in, to see stuff like that. But then he'll burn just like the easiest opportunities provided to him um yeah we'll get into that as well but the next real action 25th minute kyle laren uh, some nice build up along the left side nice ball up to, to kyle laren i forget from who kyle laren slides it up nicely into the path of john bozduan who seems to have a one-on-one -on -one, and out of nowhere canadian sam Adekugbe comes sliding in and sort of destroys the chance for us, blocking John Bozdoan's chance. So, rough. We have had a number of chances at this point, and we should be up by more than one. And as a bit of a warning, in the 27th minute, Sabalob Zanidze sends in a shot just wide. Um, Emre Bilgin does well to get down. Dive doesn't have to make any contact with it we're lucky i suppose in a sense but 
from the other hand, uh, you know, it's it's clear we, we should be putting our opportunities away. We, we, these guys are capable of scoring. And sure enough, 40th minute, a free kick is set up for Saba Lobzanidze. 41st minute is registered as a goal because he sends in a screamer with a hell of a curl on it from pretty deep out. Some are saying Emre Bilgin should have done better on it. You know, he dives in the right direction, full stretch, just, you know, perfectly placed, honestly, by Lobzanidze. I'm going to just give him credit for that beautiful goal. And he has a track record of it now at this point. We can't even say it was a surprise. Last bit of action in the half. A yellow card for Ayub El Kabi. Uh, but so yeah, there it is. One to one. And like, you know, we should be up three to one. Regardless of that beautiful goal by the, on there for them. Uh, two beautiful goals. Because Mishi's... Mishi's Batsman's was, was fantastic as well. But... <sighs> It is what it is. One to one. We've seen that happen before. At the half, <coughs> an interesting sub. Serdar, Serdar Satji comes on for Nejip Uysal. I, I don't remember if Nejip was injured or if he'd played particularly poorly. I don't recall that being the case in either direction, but still, the move was made. Uh, right out of the gates, uh, a chance. Rashid Ghazal, fancy footwork along the right side. Cuts in, sends in a shot that Munir does pretty well to save. 58th minute on a corner kick. Rashid's Rashid. Uh, Gazal sends it in for Joseph. Uh, Joseph's head looks like it's on target. I, perhaps Munir saves. But instead, Mishibachuai, who's onside, gets right in the path. And you think, oh, well. Maybe unnecessary, <laughs> but fine, right? That should just make it an even, even easier goal. And yet somehow, and this is what I was talking about earlier, somehow he spurns just what looks like the most easily presented chance of, of a striker's career. Uh, just wide open goal, and somehow he heads it or chests it, I don't recall. Awkward contact though, and it sends it sort of wide and left. And again, like in front of a wide open goal and like literally like a foot in front. Just a complete blunder. 60th minute, a yellow card for John Bozdoan. 61st minute, a yellow card for Onur Ergun. 80th minute. We got some action. I can't even read my notes. Scrum. Ah, that's what it was. Scrum. Yeah, a scrum in the penalty box. Uh, it gets punched out to Rashid Ghazal, who actually sends in a nice ball from distance uh, and uh, forces. I think this one sort of flew under the radar because there was like other action building into it. But Ghazal actually had a very nice chance. Well saved by Munir in the 80th minute. Now, my gloss over a long portion there, subs were made. Alex Teixeira came on for Guven Yalchin, Atiba Hutchinson, that was in the 67th, and the 75th, ugh. Atiba Hutchinson came on for John Bozdoan, and Georges Kevin and Kudu came on for Kyle Aaron. And so he would bring in instant energy, Monsieur Nkudu. Good to see him again as well. Although, on a snowy pitch, given the, the sort of injury he came back from, 
I don't know if I was alone in being a bit worried. <laughs> 76th minute for them, it was Dylan Saint-Louis who came on for Sabah Lobzanidze. Uh, anyway, so then there was that nice attempt on goal by Gazelle. Uh, late in the game, Sam Adekugbe got himself a yellow card in the first minute of extra time. Bertug Yildirim would come on for Ayub El Kabi in the second minute of extra time. Ruben Ribeiro, fifth minute of extra time with a yellow card. Given that he's already on the hit list, no one should be surprised. <laughs> he wasn't so bad, though. Um, and in the sixth minute of extra time, he would come off for Selim Jan Temiel. Obviously, a move to, to waste time. It would be effective. The game it would end 1-1. to Hatay Spor killing it out and winning the, the draw on the season, right? They beat us in their home draw, managed to draw in ours. And so, yeah, it's a net positive for them, no doubt. And they're ahead of us in the table. So, we're handing out W's to, to the likes of Hatay Spor. But so, yeah, that would be it for that match. Statistically, Besiktas... 59% of the ball to their 41. 22 shots to their 10. 12 on target to their 3. Munir, very good game, no doubt. Um, don't really know what to say. It's now four matches in a row for Hatay that are they're un, they're undefeated. For Besiktas, <coughs> not so much. <laughs> not so much. There's really no silver lining. Except, and this is actually, a, I suppose you could say, a fairly significant silver lining. There are only eight matches left to the season. And because of this result, Undir Caravelli, well, so supposedly he handed in his resignation. It was rejected by Ahmed Nurchebi in that sort of dramatic way that it's always reported. Uh, but sure enough, rumors would spring up. Uh, and, you know, it was supposedly between Ibrahim Uzumez, who then would become assistant next season for Shenol Gunesh. Or, supposedly, Andriy Shevchenko was, was out there as an option, option. And then the dark horse candidate that came out of nowhere, a Monsieur Valeria Ismail, who we'll talk about. Uh, and so these three candidates were sort of brought up. But meanwhile, we still had Under Caravelli. We were fresh off of a draw, going into our big match. We have a week off now because of the, the national team. So I'll be back. We'll be back on the road in Trabzon, which is a hell of a way to come back. So yeah, 1.30 p.m. Sunday, April 3rd. So again, we have a bit of time till then. And Turkey has some huge matches. So will be preoccupied with football, even without Besiktas, I suppose. But, um, yeah, all right. Before before we talk about what sort of came of the coaching carousel in that little drama, we'll talk about statistics. So I mentioned that Besiktas had much of the ball, had the majority of the shots, 81% accuracy on, the pa on their passing, four, uh, completing 417 Hatay only completed 260 passes at a 72% rate. 
So um, not particularly flashy. Besiktas had five big chances to Hatay zero, and they missed five big chances to Hatay zero. Hatay committed 15 fouls. Besiktas committed nine. Right? And yet, well, I guess this time it was fair. They had four yellow cards, and we only had one. So that's actually legit. Um, but yeah, so, you know, statistically, Besiktas kind of played pretty well, to be honest. Had a ton of the ball, a ton of opportunities on goal, and just couldn't put it in the back of the net. And that's the sort of story of this season, if ever there was one. And what's interesting, especially, is that, again, lots of chances created. So that's kind of progress, in a way. You feel bad for Undar Caravelli. Uh, I don't think, uh, I think in a way he did the best with what he had. Um, he also, individually, talent-wise, maybe, you know, he doesn't have a ton of, ton going on there either. My apologies for my voice, or the, uh, you know, nose stuff. I think it's allergy, I mean, it is allergy season. Potentially, I'm, I might be a little sick. Still, I'm here for you folks. Rain or shine. Um, but so, yeah. Stats, individual stats. The, the highest rated player was Nishi Batshuayi. <clears throat> Very highly rated. Of course, he scores a goal, has a number of shots on target. Doesn't tell the whole story at all. He should have had three or if not four goals. Uh, anyway, next highest rated player, Rashid Ghazal. Then, Sabah Lobzanidze, no surprise there, also scored a goal. Then, Munir, shouldn't surprise anyone either. And Domagos Vida, Sam Adekugbe, with a big save early in the first half I mentioned. Mehdi Bujima, it's only 23. For a defensive mid, you know, that could be someone we look at. Valentin Rosier, rated highly, I look at his stats, why not? Then Mame Biram Diouf. Joseph de Souza, Isaac Saki, Ruben Ribeiro, Onur Ergun, Ridvan Yilmaz. There we go. And then John Bozuan at a 6.91. Does not make the cut. Um, Rosier was rated well. Why? He played all 90 minutes. He had two shots. One key pass. 37 of 48 with his passes at a 77% rate. Three out of four with his dribbles. Um, his passing was negatively affected by four inaccurate crosses. He was only dispossessed once. He made six recoveries. 75 touches. So he was very active. That's a good game for him. Good for him. Um, even more highly rated Domagos Vida. Better passing. 58 out of 62 at a 94% rate. 76 touches. Similar as far as his presence. But my man of the match, not Bachuai, but in fact, because I mean, because Mishi Bachuai again, like he, there were maybe three chances in this match that he wasted that he could have put away, uh, besides the one that he did put away. So, and that was a beautiful goal, sure, but I'm giving it to Gazal. He pulled the strings yet again. Four key passes, four shots, one big chance created, squandered. Seventy-nine touches. Four out of four with his shots. They were all on target. Three out of three with his dribbles. Two out of eight with his crosses, which is why his passing rate was only six, you know, 
37 out of 49. Also only one of three on his long balls. Couple recoveries. Yeah, you know, I mean, six of 12 duels won. That's not like fantastic, but he was getting in the mix. You know, he was coming back quite a bit. He really, he, he really has been just a phenom for us all season, and it's he should be having like a historic record, uh, historic season as far as assists, and it's somewhat criminal that he he isn't, frankly. But whatever, it is what it is. But so yeah, that's that's all that I really have to say about that match. Now let's talk a little bit about what came next. Now I mentioned the the coaching search that commenced, or the you know whatever the the, the talk, uh, and sure enough, in the end, a complete surprise. Besiktas hires Valent, sorry Valentin, Valerian Ismail. Which, uh, yeah, and yeah, we'll, we'll play that sound effect. It's usually the hit list one, but I don't know. It's sort of celebratory as well, in a way. I think it's we can, we can use that also in this case, <clears throat> and it's big news. Now the bad news is that he doesn't have like the greatest track record of all time. The good news is that he does have a pretty decent track record, which I'll talk about in a moment. And he's also not like one of the usual suspects. You like to see the board trying to implement something, some type of a plan. Is it a good plan? We'll see. But at least there's something happening there, right? Like a number of names have come up that were new to me that I had to sort of do some research on. This is another one. And so, you know, he's the, the team's come under a lot of heat for hiring. Ismail. A lot of people wanted Shenol Gunesh. I've been on the record as saying you don't go backwards in that regard. He's, he's an outdated dude. He's been outdated for some time. Wouldn't have been a need for us. And at the end of the day, you might as well uh, try something new and get burned that way than get burned in a way you've already gotten burned. Um, so, you know, I dig it. I'll keep it, I'll, I'll keep it real. I, I dig the move. I dig the creative aspect of it rather. The move itself, I don't know anything. I don't. I've never really known the manager or the player uh, well enough to say that I like him or anything like that. But let's let's start to analyze that. And of course, I hope to have an episode soon. Maybe Khan will interview someone. He's our interviewer. But um, here's what I have researched thus far, and here's sort of the good news. So Valerian Ismail is an interesting character in football. First of all, he starts his career in the youths of Strasbourg in France. He is French. Uh, he would get a start playing more seriously professionally with Hanover, 96. Move on to Bayern Munich, which, you know, pretty big club. I'm sure some of you have heard of. Then he'd go on to Werder Bremen, return to his club of youth, Strasbourg, kind of later on in his career. From there, go to Lens as his career extended out, play for Crystal Palace in England. And then he would finally end his career with Strasbourg, which, you know, you like to see that kind of uh, loyalty, right, to your, to your club, that sense of 
history with for, for that you want footballers to, to have that respect for the game and for for clubs and for the sort of um, institutions that bring them up and all that these are good traits and things you want to see you know translating to Besiktas right which would mean him hopefully cultivating academy products and instilling in them that same respect for club and uh, you know all that that he clearly had himself and this would actually extend not just to his playing career but in fact to his coaching career his first real coaching gig would be with Hanover 96 where he'd be an assistant general manager and then he would go from from there to becoming the, the actual manager of their youth team their second team right which actually plays kind of sub-professionally but in a real league there and he would kind of come out flying out the gates really 24 wins 10 loss 10 draws and 15 losses in his first run out which is I would say quite admirable he would sort of get sniped by Wolfsburg, who at the time were a much bigger club, and picked up to coach their second team, their youth team, and they'd sort of tab him to, to sort of develop him as a coach, right? He's quite young at this point for coaches, fresh out of the league. You know, he retired in 2009. And so what's interesting is that he's old enough that he was a teammate of Pascal Numa. But he's also young enough that he was also a teammate of Mario Gomez. So multiple generations of Besiktas fans can sort of um, feel like he's not too old for them, potentially, or young. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, with VFL Wolfsburg, his next gig, he would do exceptionally well. 23 wins, 6 draws, and 7 losses. Again, their second team, right? Not the full team. From there, he'd get the call-up to Nuremberg, his first pro gig. And with Nuremberg, he would win his first match, but then go on to lose eight of his next 13 and then be sacked. So, uh, you know, not, not a lot of time to see things out, perhaps, but uh, in the end, not a great record. Four wins, two draws, and eight losses. Okay, back to the drawing board, right? So it goes back to Wolfsburg's second team, where, where he had been sort of in line to be promoted, you know, in their pro manager predecessor lineage line, whatever that is. Anyway, I'm talking gibberish. So next up, he'd go back to Wolfsburg's second unit and coach them to 30 wins, 8 draws, and 10 losses. Just... Really great record with the youngsters, which could be of note for us, right? If we're planning on playing kids and developing kids, he has a good record there. So from there, he'd move on to Wolfsburg, their full team. Finally, he'd get the call up. Initially, as an interim manager, he, he would, in his first four matches in tar charge, they would win twice. He would get the official gig from there because of a pretty decent start, right? And then he wouldn't make it long. Just a couple of months, basically. He wasn't taken seriously. Wolfsburg had bigger, greater ambitions. Uh, and so his tenure would not last long. Just four wins, one draw, and eight losses. And he was gone. 
So, with pro teams, not a great track record. Two very short stints, both of them only four wins. Not like a ton of losses in either stint. Right? In fact, eight in both. Four wins, two draws, and eight losses with Nuremberg. Four wins, one draw, and eight losses with Wolfsburg. But at this point, he is a pro coach. He makes his first pro gig in Greece official in May of 2018, signing a two-year deal. He'd play in one match, and play rather, he'd manage one match, uh, a, a nil to one loss against Larissa. And then some disagreements with the club. Who knows what's going on? Probably shady finances. Who knows? But he's gone after one match. Clearly not because of his performance or anything like that, right? I mean, we can all agree. That's fairly clearly uh, sort of an outlier. So moving on from there, he would go to Lask Linz, an Austrian side who we saw trouble against just prior their manager, Oliver Glastner, would probably get some sort of promotion, I assume, but he would come in, he, he being Valerian Ismail, and uh, yeah, he would really fly out of the gates, uh, really come out playing fantastic football with these guys, leading the club to their best start in club history, 17 points from eight games. He got Lask into the Champions League playoffs for the first time in their history, where they would then lose to Club Bruges. But so in their first ever appearance in the Europa League, first, where is it that we saw them? Huh. Interesting. I wonder. Huh. Anyway. Um. Was that the year after? I guess it doesn't really matter. What's important is, uh, so they were in their first ever appearance in the Europa League, and they won the group in a group with Sporting Lisbon, which is interesting because we were just in them in the Champions League, in a group with them in the Champions League. Sorry. Uh, and they were in a group with Lisbon, Sporting Lisbon, PSV Eindhoven, Sporting Club de Portugal, by the way. Pardon me for anyone out there. Who might be listening from there if there if ever if there is anyone still tagging along from that Champions League. Yeah, right. Um But yeah, also Rosenbrook Trondheim, Norwegian side. So yeah, they uh topped that group with Ismail in charge, and they beat AZ Alkmaar in the round of 32. And they lost to Man U in the round of 16. And then COVID-19 interrupted the season. He started their training two days early before protocol had allowed it, which the Austrian Football Federation uh, charged them four points in the league for. So, yeah, that actually totally killed their campaign. They came out cold from there on out, ended in fourth place in the league because of you know, losing four points but then also playing less than less than they sh- they were capable of obviously going off of the beginning of their season and so that would be it for 
Valerian Ismail in Austria after guiding them to 36 wins, 6 draws, and 13 losses. And his next gig would be in England in the Championship, where he would lead Barnsley to a playoff position, not to promotion, but to a playoff position. He would win 25 matches, draw 6, and lose 13, which would get him another gig at a better team, in theory, West Bromwich Albion. They had just been relegated from the Premier League, but so in that, in that sense, they were the better position to get promoted, in theory. So they got themselves a great manager, in theory, vis-a-vis Valerian Ismail, who had just come off a really good season with Barnsley in the championship. And it wouldn't go well. I mean, on paper, look, 12 wins, 9 draws, and 10 losses. Not terrible. You know, better than any of our coaches this season. But bad enough that he would get sacked for it and replaced, and the rest is history. But so there it is. Valerian Ismail's history. And it's it's not terrible. Be 100% honest, it's really not terrible. In the end, his record as a professional manager, if we added his, you know, because technically those those two sides in Germany are, are pro teams, they play in leagues against professional sides. But even taking those away, his record is 81 wins, 24 draws, and 53 losses. Now, He's gone into some good situations. He's gone into some bad ones. But for the most part, he's had pretty good seasons. And even the ones that have gotten him fired, like in the championship with West Bromwich Albion, weren't terrible, like, on paper, like, in terms of wins and draws and all that. Uh, He plays with three defenders back, three central defenders, and then, you know, wing backs, and, you know, in a 3-4-3 or in a 3-5... Um, which I think suits us. It's like we've always been so weak defending on the counter, and this is kind of the the optimal optimal preferred anyhow formation of sort of football in this day and age because it gives you that flexibility, right? By having three guys back, you can commit your wing backs or your full backs to coming up and, and contributing to the attack without worrying too much about giving away that much on the counter. Same thing with your midfielders. You know, if if they're, you know, ghosting that zone that has hurt us so much like in the old Dorokan days and you know where someone would just leave that leave that zone open for someone to easily make passes into or shots. At least you've got three guys back behind the ball to compensate. I mean it'll suit our young defenders, Serdar Saji. Montero, right? They're going to benefit from having less pressure on them with two other guys on that back line with them. Hopefully, uh, you know, if they make a mistake, it won't be, you know, there's a better chance that there'll be someone else to help them compensate for it. Clearly, we're going to need some personnel. We're going to need a central defender or two. But... I mean, I, you know, I, I approve of his outlook. He's supposedly more of a defensive-minded coach. I'm okay with it. 
I remember people saying, oh, Afchi is going to be our, our Simeone, our Diego Simeone. Really? Well, that didn't pan out. And he also sort of sacrificed his, his outlook on football way too quickly for the sake of playing the way that Beshtas had been playing before then. But here we might get something like that, at least vis-a-vis -a, -vis a defensive-minded coach who also plays kind of interesting football tactically on the counter more. We've always said Besiktas kind of, sometimes they, they look better when they play on the counter, which is rare because of the quality of our opposition and the way we like to play. So I'm, I'm up for it. I'm up for some change. I'm up for, for a new look. I'm excited to see what comes of it. We needed a change. I think it's good that this guy will get a few matches to, to look at our roster and decide who he wants to keep, who he's okay with seeing go. But so let's keep an open mind, folks. Let's see what happens. Valerien, Ismael, welcome to Besiktas. Folks, let's go Besiktas! Peace out, everyone. Follow us on Twitter. You know the deal. At Sir Writes a Lot. Sir underscore writes underscore a lot. Peace out. Besiktas International hopes you enjoyed this program.